Hello, GEO members and listeners. My name is Ben, and I'm substituting for your usual host on this program, Assam, because I'm joined by Carla and Assam, who were our leads at our bargaining session yesterday on July 29th. We are, all, we are all members of the Graduate Employee Organization at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. You might be aware that our graduate worker contract is expiring in just a little more than two weeks. So we are currently bargaining with the administration over a contract proposal drafted by the GEO bargaining team. Like after every bargaining session, the bargaining team sends an email with a summary of the session. These podcast episodes provide more details and voice to the lead negotiators to bring up various pressing issues from the session and what members can do to fight for a better contract. And just for context, we are living in a time of heightened crises, inflation, food shortages, pandemic, and skyrocketing energy bills. Today, on the 30th, Carla and Assam had led the day before as lead negotiators. They will provide a summary of what the the three-hour-long bargaining session included. Uh, We're taping this session the day after, and that's for a reason. It was a pretty intensive session. Can you describe a bit of what happened during that session, Carla? Uh, Hello, Ben. Hello, Assam. Uh, And hello, all GEO members that are listening to this podcast episode. Um, And yeah, uh, you're totally right, Ben. Uh, Andrea, one of our staff members who has been working for us for almost seven years, said that this was definitely a new time in which Rob's aggressiveness and in my particular case, and Islam's case as well, racist attitudes and misogynist attitudes also were very much flared up. Um, and this was like definitely a one time, like we haven't seen Rob doing this in a while over several years in negotiation sessions. And I guess one of the things that Rob constantly does is to, because he doesn't prepare enough and present his questions in advance for us to review them and expedite the bargaining process, um, he gets uh, extremely uh, annoyed by the length of our proposal because we're presenting a very comprehensive proposal with extended worker benefits and rights. He has actually said then time and time again, if your proposal were shorter, we could definitely advance the negotiation process despite their bargaining team making over a million dollars in salaries. Um, So again, it's once again disappointing to see the administration not coming with a full comprehensive proposal and being annoyed by us requiring them to do their due job and due diligence in the negotiation process. Thanks, Carla. And for our listeners who are just now maybe tuning in, Rob is uh, Rob Craddock, the administration's lead negotiator, uh, who we see across the bargaining table at every session. Um, And like Carla said, GEO has prepared a very comprehensive and ambitious proposal uh, reflecting the needs of our members and what it would take to meet those needs. During this last session, uh, 
we went over some of the very uh, articles that are quite uh, substantive and high priority for our members, uh, reflecting a lot of the issues um, that are items in our pillars that we are concentrating on as uh, an organization. And those are specifically wages, healthcare, and childcare. We touched on all of these issues in the last section. Uh, so we picked up from the previous session um, in wages uh, and talked a bit more about how GEO has arrived at its wage proposal. And we also talked about reappointment raises, which the GEO is advocating for. Um, can you describe a little bit of what went on during negotiations in that section, Assam? Yeah, um, well, it's, uh, it's a little bit odd being on the talking side as opposed to the hosting side. So thanks for stepping in, Ben. Um, I think the, the big thing that uh, we focused on was uh, the idea of where do we get our number. Um, so uh, Rob likes to situate us in kind of the schools in the Midwest. And so just for context, we have very different labor laws from other Midwest states and also very different relationship between a graduate employee organization like the union and the university. Some other unions are not recognized. Some exist in, in context where they have horrible labor laws, like anti-union, such as the state of Wisconsin. Um, and so we are a little bit unique in that sense. But we're also not unique in the sense of like standard of living, how it has been increasing. Um, and here it has been increasing at a higher rate than in other places. And so when we proposed why are, we're asking for this living wage, said, why don't you look at this state or that state? So, uh, you know, uh, what is commonly called in academia strategically positioning uh, a question to be the negation of something else. So why are we not comparing to Pennsylvania? But anyway, so long story short is that uh, um, we have asked our union members, so we're a democratic union, and we asked them what is one of the most important things for you, and they said wages, and the number that we have proposed the administration is very reasonable and is also reasonable for the administration to provide it. Um, the, uh, obviously, uh, Rob does not like that answer, but you know, um, that's kind of the capitalist class. That's their position about when workers demand for something like that. So, I also want to point out this was the point in which uh, the negotiation got most tense. Um, this was a time in which um, Rob, particularly to myself, um, as a black woman um, presenting person, um, Rob repeatedly interrupted as we were trying to present information requests because, as Ben pointed out, in the past, uh, particularly with, with reappointment races, several of our members in the psychology department, music department, right after the strike in 2018, did not receive those reappointment raises, right? Um, and when we were presenting our information requests and we when we actually changed some of those after coming into caucus to meet the demands of the administration, uh, Rob interrupted both of us, particularly myself. And there was a very evident treatment on how, for example, Rob treats male presenting individuals versus women presenting individuals, which is again, unacceptable on behalf of the university. And we expect the same level of respect uh, and integrity that we present the table from the university administration. But back to the point about wages, uh, as 
probably a lot of the listeners know, graduate workers at the university recently have received an increase of 3.5%, which is similar, somewhat similar to the increases we have been receiving in the past years as our expiring contract states. So every year there should be a somewhat of an increase. Um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of graduate workers who are not involved with the union or very briefly or don't fully understand the context of what it means that 3.5% increase is that it means nothing in our current economy. Um, and so, and what it has led a labor division essentially, because you have people who they say, obviously, we want the increase that the union is proposing, which is much more substantial. And there are some people who look back and they notice that we have been receiving 3.5%. Well, I guess this year is also 3.5%. We should be at least be grateful. And so uh, that is an equivalent of $70 a month, which is nothing. My grocery before used to be roughly 50 a week. Now it's 100 a week or even more. So imagine if you have a family, that kind of stuff. So, and now, so it has created a division between workers. Workers thinking, this is not fine, and workers thinking, this is fine. And so uh, there has to be more cognizance of the concept of real wages. How is your dollar valued now compared to pre-skyrocketing uh, inflation and so forth? Um, and so uh, that's just something to put things into perspective, that a wage increase should be a real wage increase as opposed to just an increase. Yeah, thank you, Carla and Assam. I think that's a really good point to underscore how measured in constant dollars uh, the current university minimum uh, wage for TAs and GAs is well below the cost of living in Champaign County. But especially with historic prolonged rates of inflation, this is even less adequate at this point. So, GEO is attempting in its posture and its proposal on wages to make living in this area sustainable for graduate workers. So we also talked and we got through the whole healthcare uh, article, uh, a substantial concern for most graduate students, um, seeing as healthcare, especially in this country, constitutes such an enormous part of the basket of goods that have to be encompassed in compensation. Um, and we touched a bit on summer health care, a perennial uh, concern for our members. Also, we had an extended discussion about mental health care and the proposals GEO has made to uh, address the mental health crisis among graduate students and especially how their needs go chronically undermet on this campus with regards to the resources it provides. Um, and then we also talked about a number of things in those sections in that, in that article. But maybe you could touch on those two a bit and uh, tell us how those negotiations went. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about definitely, um, Ben, is, is summer health care, right? The university has set a precedent over the last two summers during the pandemic that because health care is a human's right, and in our case, a worker's right, a very important subject of bargaining, it cannot be just subject to the university's prerogative and we want to incorporate it into our contract. Um, we also mentioned during the session that particularly healthcare debt in this country due to lack of healthcare insurance is very significant. We cited uh, an article from the U.S. Census reporting that back in 2017, 90% of U.S. households um, could not afford to pay a medical emergency because of medical debt. 
And interestingly enough, uh, the Midwest is actually the second region with most healthcare debt in the country um, after the South. So we also said that other universities have done this, so we're not asking rocket science from the university, including the University of Michigan, that covers 100% of the insurance, Michigan State, UCLA, and Rutgers. And we're again, we're asking what our members need, what our members deserve, and the university has all the financial capacities in their power to give us what we want. That's what we want. Um, so as a person who works at the counseling center as a professional graduate assistant, there has been an issue with uh, labor retention, let's just call mm-hmm. it that. There has been a lot of staff moving in out. There has been um, like un, uh, unstable, uh, consistent uh, presence of staff. And they're also short staff. They're constantly looking for counselors. Um, and the university um, obviously does not pay them that well, uh, first of all. And secondly, that has not seen uh, the issue of mental health care as equivalent to, uh, let's say, COVID uh, and, and, and those issues. And we can do, like in another other episode, dig into the history of <laughs> mental health care at this university and what repercussions had, it has had on the safety of students. There's becoming also a safety issue for other students. That's um, one thing. And um, and the other thing that I always like to put into perspective for international students, if you're making $2,000 as a 50% worker, right, and you're married and you have two kids or one kid even, right, imagine try to pay rent, pay their health care, um, and then also child care, and then school and transportation and food and that kind of stuff. Nobody could survive off that. And last time when you asked Rob that question, he said, that's not a germane question for Rob because he makes tons of money. Uh, uh, so uh, we, uh, our new language proposes that we should have dependent care, uh, and that includes uh, spouses, partners, whatever, you, uh, that kind of category, and then also children up until the age of 26 as if federally mandated uh, or de- defined, essentially. Um, and so um, our contract tries to protect also international students, so they get also health care 100% covered as well. I want to very briefly point out something that you said, Sam, about the healthcare shortage at McKinley. I remember one time calling McKinley because they assessed me like a cancellation fee um, that I didn't do properly before canceling an appointment because I was super exhausted to get to that appointment. And the buses are running very late at Orchard Downs, which is um, part of my community. Um, and I remember calling the person very upset. I mean, like $20 to be assessed because of a cancellation fee. I don't even know a doctor in town that assess you that cancellation fee. And one of the things that this person mentioned is because we, he, he literally mentioned that 30% of the, at that time, prior um, labor force of mental health counselors had either resigned or retired during the pandemic. So definitely going back to the situation of shortages, which our proposal tries to address, which shows once again that the university doesn't care about the mental health of graduate workers and the community overall. Thank you, Carla and Assam, for that. And I just want to underscore that while we talked most about summer health care and mental health care in this discussion of our long negotiations over the health care article, uh, GEO is also proposing coverage of all health care related fees and expansion in the definition of dependence for health care. Uh, auto enrollment in healthcare so you don't suddenly fall out of uh, coverage just because uh, you missed a period of enrollment. Um, Expanded access to vision and dental insurance and then also gender affirming healthcare language, uh, which are all vital aspects for our members as well. 
Finally, and maybe you could touch on this in just very general terms, because we will be touching on this in future bargaining sessions as well, but we did get into the beginning of child care, uh, our child care article and the language we proposed there. Um, obviously, uh, with all of the things that have already been said about the cost of living in Champaign-Urbana, uh, this cost is exponentially increased when graduate workers have children, and many do. So maybe you could talk about some of the things that were discussed in session very briefly. Um, so maybe kind of we can historicize also the context of this session. A couple of sessions ago, uh, maybe three or four, um, we asked for the administration to provide at least one changing table, like a changing table in at least every building, just one. Okay, so uh, nursing parents, they could just go there and take care of their child. Um, and uh, and then Rob took that as, as a laughable request, right? Um, uh, and so that tells you about the administration's positionality. So obviously we're asking for something beyond just that. So that's for graduate workers something to fall on. If we could not get childcare, which we will fight for it, which is essential, um, that childcare is that uh, a parent would get uh, a subsidy and the subsidy both goes in pocket, but also goes to one of the, the, the kindergartens, they're called the Child Development Laboratory for context here. Um, and, and, and so the graduate workers have a choice to where they could just enroll their children um, in um, or their dependents in those uh, small institutions for kids, essentially. Um, and the administration did not like that. They're saying, why did we name five out of the 20 that exist in town? Why didn't we name the other ones? And obviously, we're talking about proximity to campus and those things, but they're just problematized things um, just because they like to do that and waste time. Yeah, and I want to also reiterate that childcare is a very important need, right? I mean, graduate workers um, do all, like invest a significant amount of time at the university, both working in their um, contractual responsibilities and their responsibilities as a student. And well, even the university has a responsibility to subsidize the cost of childcare so that the graduate worker can be um, a, a parent, a parent that is present and that um, can support their children, but also a, a worker doing their very best in their responsibilities and obligations. Um, so yeah, childcare is something that the university must continue subsidizing and in the most accommodating aspect or way for um, graduate workers are also parents. And it's not something new that they have done. They have done it for um, students from lower income backgrounds and we fall into that category with the, our current income and for undergraduate students too who are parents. So um, it's not something new or revolutionary that we're asking for. Thanks. We just have about a minute left, and I want to remind our listeners that our next bargaining session is on August 11th. Uh, that's a Thursday from 1 to 4 p.m., where we'll continue discussing many of these issues, uh, moving on to new articles, but also picking back up on child care, most likely. Was um, there anything you would like to tell our listeners in the final moments? Um, I would like to also remind our, our listeners, all the graduate workers in this campus are eligible to become members of the GEO. It's very, very important that we become the majority of graduate workers and graduate students in our campus. And signing a GEO card takes you less than 30 seconds. If you go to uiucgeo.org slash join, again, uiucgeo.org slash join, 
Um, you can sign your card starting today after you finish listening our episode um, with us together. Um, and it's very easy. Sign it digitally, and that will allow you to come to our next session because, again, um, our bargaining sessions are only open to GEO membership because we need people that are committed, that understand that this is an important issue, and most importantly, we can't afford individual solutions to collective problems. So we hope to see you all in the next bargaining session on the 11th. Excellent. Thank you both.